Hey, welcome to episode 18 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and I'm so thankful that you're here right now. I've got an awesome episode lined up for you. Gray talks with Mike Lieberman from Square2 Marketing, quite possibly the largest inbound-only agency in the world. It's an awesome conversation, and I took one big thing away from this, that Mike and his co-founder, Eric, started this thing out small. It was just the two of them. So you can build something big if that's your goal. This is an awesome example of how to structure a scalable inbound marketing team. Mike is the inbound scientist over there, so you can just tell he's got a great analytical brain. So he lays out the structure that they use to scale up to be able to handle this many retainers. It's an awesome interview, great insights. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, everyone, welcome in to Inbound Agency Journey. This week, I'm very happy to be talking with Mike Lieberman from Square2 Marketing. Mike is the co-founder, president, and uh, chief inbound scientist at Square2. So excited to dig into uh, his story, what's brought them to where they are, what they do really well, and what's... Uh, What's, what's transformed Square2 into the world's first uh, HubSpot Diamond partner agency. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. I'm excited to, to dig into things here. Good. Me too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Mike, do you want to give folks the background? I know that you guys started Square2 in 2003. What's kind of been the evolution of that agency? Sure. So uh, you're, you're correct. We started back in 2003. Um, previously, I had been a corporate marketing VP and my business partner had a couple of kind of related businesses prior to Square 2. But back in 2003, we started to realize that there was a very underserved part of the market and that was kind of medium size and smaller businesses. And we also started to realize that they were getting the wrong advice from pretty much everybody. Uh, they were they were getting no advice from the ad agencies because they were too small. They were getting um, some very specific and, and individual marketing tactic advice. So the yellow page sales rep would come in and sell them some yellow page ads, and the Comcast TV guy would show up and try to get them to buy TV advertising, and the the radio rep would come in and pitch them radio and they would be doing some trade shows and they had a an SEO guy who was trying to get their site found and they also had another website person who built their website and we started to realize that they were getting like basically the wrong advice from everybody and they really didn't know any better and in the very beginning of the company our major message that resonated really nicely with prospects was my marketing isn't working and I don't know why they were spending money on marketing. They were trying to get it to work, but it wasn't, and they didn't know why. So along comes Square2 Marketing, and our positioning was to give them the right advice no matter what. We call it no fluff. Give them the no fluff advice no matter what. And we didn't want to be the company that did one thing because we knew they needed all things. We didn't want to be the company that just did what they told us to do because we knew they didn't know what to do. 
So we from the and we didn't want to do a project because we knew a single project like a website, for example, wasn't really going to get them where they wanted to be. That they needed content and they needed search and they needed ongoing nurturing and they needed, you know, site optimization. They needed all these things to be working seamlessly and in an integrated way to really for them to really achieve results. So in the beginning, that was pretty much our story. That was how we went to market. And it took off like fire. Like there were real, was re- literally no one telling that story to those businesses the way we were telling it, and it worked great. Even though we didn't really have the tools we needed to do what we wanted to do. I mean, you got to think back two thousand three. Facebook wasn't there yet. Google was a hundred percent different than it is today. There was no content marketing. We really relied heavily on website and email, and that was uh, you know working with one hand be- tied behind our back. So. You know, we did the best we could for probably the next five or six years. And in 2009, we read the inbound book that the HubSpot guys wrote. And I, when, I, when I read it, I specifically remember thinking to myself, like, wow, I could have written this book. I mean, it's exactly the same story we tell our clients, only they're talking about software and we talk about surge, uh, strategy and services. So I bought a HubSpot subscription. I, I used it for Square 2 Marketing. And right away, I started to see some really positive results. We went from 400 visitors a month to 600 to 800 to 1,000. And I, and I started to see how everything was connected and how I could control everything. And the data that, that HubSpot was giving us was, was fantastic. And I, I went to my business partner and I said, look, there's really something to this. I'm going to take it to a couple of our clients. I'm going to buy them their subscription and see if I can get it to work for them. So I did. I, I found a B2B client and a B2C client whose programs were fine but not great. And I said to them, look, I'm going to buy your, uh, your, uh, you a subscription to this service for three months with the understanding that if I can get it to prove to you that it's going to help you do better, you'll pick up the subscription. They're like, that seems fair. So they both agreed. And after three months, they had seen the same marked improvement in their program that I saw in Square Two's uh, program. So they bought it, and the rest was history. I, I told uh, Eric, I was like, look, we got to make HubSpot part of our offering. Just start telling prospects that if they want to work with us, they have to buy a HubSpot subscription. I went up to HubSpot. I met with, with you know Pete Caputa and another guy who's not even there anymore. I said, look, this is amazing. We're going to sell this to all our clients. I can promise you three or four new clients a month because that's the pace in which we were bringing on new clients. And um, I'm going to be your biggest partner. They're like, oh, sure, whatever. Like, sounds good. And, like, I'm sure they heard that story 20 times before that. Um, but really, the rest is, is history, because at that point, you know, we were able to do more for our clients. We, we were able to be more proactive with their program. Uh, we were able to stop doing the reporting that we were doing and start using HubSpot for analytics and data. And, um, I mean, the rest is really history. Um, in 2012, we were 16 people. Today, we're 62 people. Um, we're on pace to do six, six and a half million dollars in revenue. And we, we sell about $100,000 in HubSpot software a month. Wow. What a story, Mike. That's incredible growth over really a pretty short period of time. And you're right. As you were talking about what you guys were seeing back in 2003, I was thinking in my head, this is before any of this technology really exists that makes it so easy to do today, or at least really kind of makes it possible to do. Um, so that must have been quite a journey in those early days, piecing things together. Um, as, as far as the growth goes, when you so you went up to HubSpot and said that you were going to be the biggest partner, did, were you and Eric always on the same page about the growth trajectory goals that you had? 
Um, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, our, we, we have a, um, a vision for our company to be a $20 million inbound agency. Um, I, I, I don't know this for a fact because I obviously I don't know every single agency, but I, I think we're right now the largest pure inbound agency. I know there are bigger agencies that do other things besides just inbound. Um, for instance, they might, you know, do, you know, websites and inbound services too, but we only do inbound. Um, I know there are some like bigger agencies that do some traditional stuff and inbound, uh, but I think we're the largest agency that just does inbound. So we want to be, we want to continue that trajectory to be 20 million. Um, but our mission here really is a little different. Our mission is not, not to do those things. Our mission is to teach businesses how to do their marketing and, and today how to do their sales differently. Buyer behavior is, is 100% different than it was even a couple of years ago. And most businesses are still using the tactics they used when, when buyer behavior was different. Today, people don't want a phone call. They don't want, they're not reading their mail. They're barely looking at their email. They're not going to trade shows like they used to. They want, they're searching online and you need to be there when they're searching. You need to create engaging content that, that gives them a remarkable experience online, gets them to feel comfortable and safe with your company, and then they convert. And now you're on a mission to, to uh, nurture them until they're ready to buy something from you. So while our, our, our vision is to be a $20 million inbound agency, our mission is to generate a million leads. And we've really kind of boiled this inbound thing down to one thing, and we really feel like the businesses that hire us want one thing, leads. In fact, I'm not sure how much of the rest of the story they actually hear when we talk to them because I really think what they hear is blah, 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 leads, blah, 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 leads. Like they, they just want leads. They don't care what we're going to do or how we're going to get them the leads. They just want to make sure that they have enough leads to keep their salespeople busy um, based on their close rate to close enough of those leads to hit their revenue goals and grow their companies. And the promise of inbound and a marketing machine is the promise that they're looking for. So Absolutely. Um, our, our our mission really is to teach them inbound and to get them educated and to move them off of their old school practices that they're very comfortable with and get them to really trust us and be patient with the inbound stuff that we're deploying for them. You know, inbound isn't like a Super Bowl ad. It's not like the next day you're going to see a huge spike in in everything at your business. It's it's a it's a much more gradual, slow, and up and to the right. It requires patience. It requires commitment. And those businesses that are okay with that approach are really, really, really seeing amazing results. Yeah. You see it over and over. People who play for the long term have success in the long term. Mike, with where you guys are at right now, I think that being so a company that's a that's a six and a half million dollar agency in 2015 is a long way away from a lot of the folks who uh, listen to this podcast who are starting out agencies or um, we've got folks who've, you know, who've been around for 10 or 15 years, but also quite a few folks who were just starting out there in the early years of building something. And so to try and make things kind of more um, just relatable for the folks who are in that situation, can you tell me about what the background looked like, what you brought to the table, Eric brought to the table, and what the early team looked like with Square 2? Yeah, so uh, the the team was small in the beginning. So Eric was responsible for sales and bringing us new clients, and you know keeping an eye on the finance financial end of the business. And I was responsible for pretty much everything else. So um, operations, uh, the engagement, our methodology, 
you know, what we did when, uh, the hiring, all kind of came in my area. And it was a nice kind of yin and yang in terms of our personalities. He didn't want to deal with that stuff, and I really didn't want to have to deal with the sales piece of it. So, you know, in the beginning, Eric got us a client, and I took care of the client. So, you know, in essence, in the beginning, I was the marketing consultant that, that executed the inbound program for clients. So I knew what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, I guided Eric's recommendations in terms of, you know, well, don't offer them this because this probably won't work and this would be better for them. Um, and as we got bigger, I just basically grew out of each of those positions. So, you know, after I couldn't take any more clients because I was full, um, we ended up uh, hiring our first consultant. And the first consultant, uh, I basically you know, taught them how to be a consultant and, and worked with them. And eventually when we had three consultants, those consultants needed someone to manage them. So I graduated into the strategist role, which is kind of oversees the consultants. And I'm still involved with clients, but maybe I'm not involved in the day-to-day as much as I was when I was a consultant. And uh, as, as those consultants got busier, you know, we, we eventually, I hired a strategist to keep an eye on the consultant so I could do bigger picture things. And at, at that stage, I realized that, well, my consultants are spending a lot of time writing and well, they're, they're, they're good at writing. They're not writers. So maybe we need to, you know, have some people who can, you know, crank out the content and do it really well. So that made sense to me. And I thought like, okay, if I take the writing exercises away from the consultants, they'll be able to spend more time with the clients and analyze their programs better and get them more leads. Like, so everything is kind of built on this foundation of how do we get clients more leads? So if the consultants weren't writing and they were doing more analytics, they could know what's working and what's not working. Okay, it makes sense, right? So then we started experimenting with the writing configuration. So we obviously, as everyone knows, what do you what do you do first? You freelance, right? Well, why should I hire? There's all these writers. There's all these services. So we tried freelance writers. We tried all the services. All these things. None of them really felt right. None of them really worked right. You know, I wanted the writers to be part of strat- strategy conversations because we've always had a mantra of strategy before tactics here. And you know, taking a freelance writer and having to spend four hours with a client on a kickoff meeting was expensive, so we didn't do that. So there, that was missing in terms of the way our engagement was configured. So eventually, after maybe a couple of months of all these different trial and errors, we said, look, let's just hire some writers. Uh, and, and we did. So each of the consultants got a writer. And, and maybe in the beginning, one, the three consultants shared a writer. But as more and more content got included in our program, because we could see content was driving a lot of results, we went from two writers and three consultants to three writers and three consultants. And that's kind of where we are today is the amount of content that we create and the strategic relevance of the content we create requires us to have a full-time writer for every consultant. So that married up really nicely. We started creating so much content that we were delivering content that had typos and errors in it. So we were like, wait a minute, why, why, what do we need to do about that? So we said, okay, well, let's hire an editor. So we hired an editor for each of the Hives. So now there's one editor for three writers. So everything gets proofed and is, is you know, there's a, a highly uh, thought out QA process. So the clients are getting really high quality work from us. Again, if you give a client a, a white paper and there's typos in it, like they don't, they don't feel good about that. They, they don't have confidence in you. So you can tell them it's a draft. You can tell them not to worry all you want, but 
they're not reading the content. They're looking for typos. So we don't. We want to eliminate that conversation from our engagement. And the the editor did that beautifully. So again, all of this is revenue driven. So if we obviously if we don't have the revenue to support it, then you can't hire these extra people. But when you have a constant flow of inbound leads and inbound clients, then the revenue takes care of itself, and you can kind of build these teams up. Um, as you go along. And that's from there, it kind of grew a little more organically. Um, we were also looking for a, a company structure that would allow us to continue to scale. So we had a couple iterations of that structure that was very difficult to scale. And this current structure that I've referred to as the hive structure is very easy to scale. So when you have one full hive and you're growing so quickly and your hive cannot take any more clients, well, what do you do? You, you take your best consultant and you promote them to strategist of the new hive and they take their clients with them. And you, you backfill a new consultant position in the old hive and you then hire a new consultant in the new hive and you grow your strategist into the strategist role and transition those clients into to the, the new consultant, and then you start building that out. You have a consultant, you need a writer. You, then you hire another consultant and another writer, and a, then an editor and a third consultant and a third writer. And So the, the structure was very org- organic and grew really nicely as we grew to the point where now we have four of those hives, and we're actually looking at kind of the next generation of hives so that we can continue to do um, what we want to do. Uh, but But that was something that took a lot of iteration and a lot of – I mean, that was probably our fourth attempt at coming up with a, a structure that actually made sense for the business financially and allowed us to take cl- care of clients the way we wanted to take care of them and, and still grow organically. Yeah, that's awesome. And the structure, I think that so many people are going through that or exper- figuring that out from the first time that they put together a structure. I know we went through that with Guava Box um, structure from the early days, just only goes so, and you only know so much in the beginning. And there's, I think that the structure needs to shift over time. Um, so I think that's a, an important point to bring out. And the hive structure and the pod structure is definitely becoming more popular. I know that um, web design and the techie side of things, um, especially as it relates to the HubSpot COS, is something that you guys do a lot of. And mm-hmm. with the acquisition of um, Savvy Panda uh, a couple years ago, where does... Um, where does the web team fit into the hive structure? Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we, I'm a big, I'm a kind of a control kind of guy. So, I mean, if I'm on the hook for leads, then I want to control all aspects of the engagement. So that's why we, we do our own web design and development. We do our own um, SEO. We do our own writing. We, do, we really do everything in-house. Um, so what the web team does is, they basically kind of function more like uh, special forces. So um, as the strategy is finished and the, and the web team participated in the strategy conversation as it relates to web, then the, the engagement transitions into a foundation and a build phase and the, the web team is deployed like special forces would be deployed to build the website for the client. So in essence, we have a whole website design and build project that's running at the same time the the client services team might be running their content build and their search work and their influencer marketing and all and e- starting to create the email tools that they need to run their email marketing. So there's kind of concurrent processes that have a lot of overlap and a lot of collaboration, uh, but that's typically how we uh, align the, the web design and development team with the, the client services team. 
Got it. That makes sense. And Mike, where's an area right now that you guys are focused on improving right now? Uh, we're trying to improve the speed at which the uh, client services team can uh, can pulse on the engagement. So I, I feel like the faster they can pulse, meaning the more stuff they can get done in a month in a highly efficient way, the better results they're going to get, the more leads the clients are going to get. So we're looking at kind of internal processes and making some adjustments internally to allow the team to kind of pulse more quickly and, and a little bit more collaboratively with the client so that they're looking at, at the results and they're saying, okay, if we did these four things or these eight things this month, the results are going to be better next month. So let's get this stuff done like this week. And how, how, does, how is the team structured and organized to pulse more quickly? Gotcha. And so are you specifically looking at the front end of an engagement or is this more like shortening the loop of feedback to implementation? On it's actually the- throughout, the, it's throughout the engagement. Okay. So how do we get a little more efficient in delivering the strategy? How do we get a little more efficient in delivering the foundation stuff that they need for the inbound engagement to run nicely? And then how do we optimize that engagement over time in a very efficient way as well? Right. That makes sense. Mike, I want to shift gears a little bit and um, – ask you about agencies to inbound, which um, is something that you've had going on now for a little while. Do you want to give folks kind of the overview of what that program is? Sure. So I've been doing so much speaking to the inbound community, and I've always been open to having conversations with agencies. So they call me a lot. And you know, I'll talk to anyone for a half an hour and, and help them as best I possibly can. And people started asking me if they could work with me kind of more formally and they were also were telling me how inspired they were by what we've done here and, you know, the talk I gave. And I, I felt like, uh, you know, helping agencies was something I thought I'd be doing maybe five or six years from now. But I felt like the time was too good to wait. And there were too many people who needed help now. So this is just a very small consulting company that is really just me um, working with agencies in two formats. The first format is a cohort group coaching uh, format. So... I have two cohorts with 10 to 12 agency owners in those cohorts. So we spend two hours a month talking about very specific topics. Um, uh, and 90 minutes of that is topic related. And then half an hour of that is ask me anything. So if they have pressing issues, they can ask me and we can deal with them at the time. Um, they're also entitled to email me and call me whenever they want in between those, those uh, cohort sessions. So it's not as if I'm trying to put them in a box and keep them there. So, But this is a very affordable way for them to work with me in a group format. And then the other is like individual one-on-one group consulting. So they basically can buy a, a block of time, and it's usually an hour or two hours a month, where it's just me and them. So we'll agree to the agenda up front, and then we'll, I'll give them a little homework up front, and we'll talk, about, talk for an hour about what their issue is, and then maybe there'll be some homework or follow-up after that. So there's a little more in, 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 one-on-one work with me on some specific things that they're dealing with. And right now, that's, that seems to be good enough. Uh, the, that business is it's much farther along than I expected it to be. I mean, I probably have 24 agency uh, owner clients that I'm working with right now, one form or another. I'm not sure I could take on any more right now. Um, but it's been very successful from the agency's perspective. I get a lot of emails that are telling me that, you know, I took your advice and I did this and I landed a client. I took your advice, I did this and we hired a new person and they're working out great. So I'm thrilled that what we've been able to do here is now translated into making all the other inbound agencies better also. 
because I want everyone to be good at inbound so that inbound becomes the de, the de facto way you market your company. And the better this community can be at it, the faster that'll happen. That's awesome, Mike. I'm pumped to hear how quickly that's kind of gotten up and off and off the ground. And I know that that's a huge value add to uh, to other agency owners. What are some of the issues that you find um, those owners running into most frequently? I, I would say that, um, honestly, it's their own sales effort is, is challenged. They don't have the inbound leads and the inbound business coming in to be confident and, and to really kind of aggressively grow their businesses. So I think that's a challenge for them. Um, I also think, uh, and this is something that we learned and that they're really kind of going through this journey on their own. It's hard to get clients results for like small retainers. So I know everyone wants to pay three or $4,000 a month, but it's difficult to get the clients, the results they're expecting for that kind of money. And I think that's a difficult conversation to have with, with clients, but one that should be had more often. Uh, you know, if you're expecting results in six or seven months, you got to pay $10,000. If you can wait a year, then maybe four or five will be okay. But I don't know too many business owners or CEOs that want to wait a year. They want to see that this is working as quickly as possible. And I think most of the agencies need to get really comfortable having that conversation with those people and putting up a retainer out there in terms of an agreement that's ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 because these clients will pay it if you find the right ones. And you know, even if you're small, it would be better to have three or four of those big ones than eight or nine little ones. Definitely. Yeah. You always have the overhead of the relationship regardless right. of what the revenue right. looks and, like. And, and look, I know this is something people have to learn on their own, but most of the time our experience has been that a four or $5,000 engagement is going to take more time than a $10,000 engagement. It might sound weird, but it's actually the reality. Those, those smaller retainers need a lot of hand-holding. They need a lot of help. They're very nervous. And it's almost more work to deal with them than it is to deal with a ten dollars or $12,000 retainer. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I've seen that too many times, painfully too many times, uh, gone through that myself. So yeah, definitely second that point. Mike, in terms of what... Um, you've got a lot of things going. You do a lot of speaking. You're running the largest inbound-only agency out there. Um, you've got agencies to inbound. What um, what does kind of your average morning look like, or what what are the things that keep you ticking in high gear? Yeah, well, one of the things I really like doing is writing the Square Two Marketing blog. So I would probably spend, say I spend an hour to an hour and a half every day writing the blog. Um, I do a little research and see what's interesting. We have our own content strategy that we're sticking to here. So I have a certain I have certain topics that I'm supposed to be talking about to support some of our other inbound work. But I, I do that. I really like doing that. It keeps me kind of connected to the community from a thought leadership perspective. Um, we're actively trying to acquire agencies. So as I am making my way through the agency community, I'm talking to a couple of agencies um, a week in terms of their interest in this or you know, I'm coaching some agencies, so I, I may have some of that conversation with them as well. Um, uh, I'm helping the team here optimize our own client program. So, you know, the team will reach out to me and say, Mike, you know, can you come to this meeting? We're looking at this client's program. Uh, so I'll go to a few of those a week and see if I can contribute to improving results for our clients. Um, and 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 then I'm I'm kind of like working on the agency in terms of the next generation of the you know, team configuration. And that keeps me pretty, that plus agencies to inbound really keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. sounds like a full plate for sure. 
but um, props to you for handling it so well. Um, definitely impressed and inspired by the growth that you guys have had. And I want to thank you for making time to jump on today um, and share the lessons that you've learned and the experiences that you've been through with the inbound agency community. Mike, um, obviously folks can go to uh, agencies to inbound. They can go to Square 2 Marketing. All those links are going to be in the show notes. Is there one best way to get in touch with you? Uh, probably emailing me at, at mike at square2marketing.com or mike at agencies2inbound.com are both um, uh, the, probably the best way to get to me. Uh, you could follow me at Mike2Marketing on Twitter. Um, I, I post a lot of uh, you know, links to blog articles and other things that I find interesting there. So those would probably be three really good ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today. I know that everyone else will appreciate this as well. Um, thanks for being with us today, Mike. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. Awesome convo between Gray and Mike Lieberman. Gray, kick us off with your thoughts. What are your takeaways? Man, there were a lot of good things that Mike shared. He's obviously done a lot of speaking, um, spent a lot of time working on the operations side of Square 2 marketing. And I mean, the the results kind of speak for themselves. You just look at Square 2 and what they've achieved and you think, okay, this is definitely somebody I need to listen to and take notes from. His... um, kind of the breakdown of how they do team structure and the hive approach that's becoming more and more popular as you're seeing. And there are different words for it, whether it's hives or pods or um, however people are, are splitting that up, but you're seeing the hive approach become um, kind of the predominant uh, way of structuring your team in the agency space. And um, so that was one of the takeaways, just the way that they have that whole system laid out and he could walk us through from you know, from the top of who is working on the account all the way down to the bottom. Um, and not that it's necessarily like a hierarchy, but who are the different people who are involved, uh, at these different levels and the more granular you get, um, kind of the farther you're diving into the org chart there. So that was, a that was kind of a, um, a good reminder of, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, he uh, he started out by talking about how they had different evolutions, different stages of uh, team structure and organizational structure, and that has shifted over uh, the course of their agency and as their needs changes. So it's a good reminder that um, what you have today is not necessarily what's going to work for you in a year from now or in two years from now, or that's not necessarily the model that's going to help you scale. And so what he has in place now. Um, is something that we can all look at and figure out, even if we have the same person filling multiple roles on that hive, how can we implement that in our businesses right now? Yeah, I think you've kind of followed that E-Myth approach where you, even if it's a small team, it's just um, like Mike and Eric over there when they got started, but you start at the bottom of the organizational chart. And even though it's only you there, like you've got your name in every org position. And then as you grow, and uh, I think growth is dictated by the revenue. So as you get the revenue there to to replace yourself, you just begin to move up that 
up that org chart until you've assumed whatever position that you would like to have, um, wherever that is. If it's just sitting at the top, uh, managing the whole thing, or if you like getting into the tactics, finding the role that fits for you there. Um, but just understand that if you're if you're small right now and you're looking at an agency like Square Two, that's huge. That's buying and acquiring new inbound agencies every uh, every month. That is attainable. You know, you have to you have to picture that in your mind that if that's the type of a business you want to build, you can get there. Um, because Mike and Eric started with humble beginnings and they just put in a lot of work and they're really smart about the way they grow and they're smart about the way they work with their clients. Um, inbound only is a really hard thing to do when you're working with that many clients. They're inevitably going to request additional services. They're already working with you. There's going to be revenue that you're offered that you have to say no to. Um, so to be able to define your ideal business the way Mike has, I think, is a really good thing to do, um, even when you're small and you're not there yet. But picturing it in your mind first and then allowing your actions to follow up from there, I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I agree. I think you're always going to have a vision that's larger than the present present tense reality. So a lot of people say, if I could ever be a million-dollar agency, um, that would be awesome. That's my goal. My five-year plan is to get to a million dollars. And you look at Square 2 and um, you're looking at a $6 million agency, but the goal is a $20 million agency and to continue to grow it out from there. Um, so there's always going to be uh, this uh, this attempt to scale and to grow and so defining your goals and pursuing that with passion is something that you see Mike doing and that's a common thread between um, you know the, the agency owners who have been most successful. Andrew, speaking of scaling revenue, one of the things that Mike mentioned that um, that he sees agencies struggle with, that we struggled with, that we see agencies struggle with, I think that this is just more more than anything, maybe this is a confidence game, but going for big clients and weeding out the small budget accounts. Did you have any thoughts to add on what he had to say there? Yeah, the whole time he was talking, I was like, amen, amen, preach it, preach it. Because those small accounts, while like when you're getting up and going, you need revenue, I get that. But those folks can suck the life out of you because they need so much hand-holding and we've found that they're so much more critical than the bigger budget clients. Those bigger budget clients get why they're hiring an agency. It's because they don't have the expertise to do this. Um, but where I noticed a, noticed a shift was if you're – like we've worked with some small businesses when we were getting started. And I knew that if we were working with someone where if they didn't hire us – their paycheck was going to be bigger that month because they didn't have that expense because they're just an entrepreneur we were working with. That's a red flag. Um, if you can get up into those upper levels of retainers where it's five, eight, ten thousand dollars at the start, that's a good place to be because you're inevitably going to be working with an, a company that has a larger marketing budget. And that means that you're going to actually have more freedom in that space because they're treating you as an expert. Um, I think it's a an issue grade that every agency runs into when they're getting started. Yep, it definitely is. Um, I would just encourage people, if you're in that place, um, if you can turn down something that you know going into it is probably going to be more work than it's worth. If that's what your intuition is telling you, you have that gut feeling, take the time that you would spend there. And you have to be intentional about this, but take the time that you would spend there and go spend it on the highest impact activity for your business. So for a lot of businesses, that might be just marketing. 
if you could take those three months that you don't have that client or whatever that period of time is and you could take whatever it is, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, and pour that into creating marketing for your business, uh, the impact can be really significant and you can reap those rewards for you know for a long period of time. So really take the time intentionally when you do turn down that business and repurpose it for something that's going to be more profitable in the long run for you. And so you got to balance the need to eat in the short term with uh, what's the long-term growth strategy and is this client going to help or hinder that strategy? Yeah, and I think it can go beyond budget too. Like It can be the type of work that you're doing as well. Uh, I was on a call this morning with, with a company that was looking for a website and as he was describing the different phases they were looking for, it was clear that there's no opportunity here for inbound. They already think they know what they're doing, but they've got no clue when it, turn, when it comes to attracting leads. It's not going to be a HubSpot project. It's going to be a WordPress project, and it's going to be something where they have a lot of layers of stuff to go through in order to get things approved. Uh, and while it, it could have been a big project, they did have a big budget. It's not a good fit for where we're trying to go, Gray. So you've got to say no to that business in order to achieve that goal, that that vision of farther down than present reality that you have in your mind, you've got to make hard decisions if you're actually going to make that vision a reality. What are you telling me that you turned down revenue this morning? Yeah, I didn't tell you that yet. All right. No, I think that's the, that's the reality, though, is there always is, especially in a situation where you've got folks working on your team or you've got um, partners and co-founders. Um, there's aside from the fact that you want um, more revenue, there's definitely peer pressure and uh, not just peer pressure, but uh, real economic pressure to have revenue. Um, But it is important to distinguish between what is it It really starts with defining what is a good fit for my business. And then out of that, you get what isn't a good fit for my business and, um, and figure out how to cut out those, uh, those components that don't help you achieve your goal. Great. Points, Gray. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you found something in here that you can take out and apply to your business today. That's our goal, is give you the resources and the education you need to build your dream agency, whether it's the biggest inbound agency in the world, the goal that Mike set, or if it's something a little bit smaller that fits the lifestyle that you have defined and that you have decided is what you want to do. Hope you found some stuff here that you can take and activate towards that goal. Uh, Until next time, Gray and I would love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, how we can make this podcast better. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Gray is at S. Gray McKenzie. I'm at Andrew J. Dembski. It's been a pleasure sharing this stuff with you. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.